Hello and welcome to Let's Enter the Arena. I'm your host, VM Campos, and this is the podcast where I talk with a member of the Magic the Gathering community, and we focus on Magic Arena. This week, I've got a special episode again. I've got two guests. Uh, this time, I've got Michaela as a returning guest. Hello. Hello. And then I've also got Luke as a returning guest. Hello. Welcome back to you both. So, uh, Luke, it's been a little while since uh, you were on the podcast. Would you like to promote anything, any streams or anything like that? My my main YouTube channel is uh, Cultural Brewing. You can uh, search me there and um, on Twitter as well. Great. We'll send some traffic over to you. Uh, Michaela, uh, you've been on a, a little bit more recently, uh, but uh, would you like to also promote any uh, streams and such? Yeah, sure. I am Kyrie MTG on Twitch, and I also tweet a fair amount, and I'm Mythic Michaela over there. Great. Thank you both. I'm pretty much uh, VM Campos all over the place, so it should be easy to find me. Well, in this episode, the idea was... Uh, let's talk about War of the Spark. Uh, let's focus on the two trailers that came out. So it'll just be sort of like a little roundtable discussion, anything that comes to our mind regarding uh, War of the Spark. But going back to the first teaser trailer, if we can put our, our mindset in like the very first time that that was released, we didn't know any anything about any of the cards, any of the story or anything like that. So to start off with... um. Well, uh, Luke, do you know any of the of the lore of magic in any time period? I have been recently getting into some of the uh, Vorthos and lore, mm -hmm. watching a few YouTube channels, and um, the like. Specifically, like the um, Jasu Vest Liliana storyline has actually been a very how do I want to put this? It's it's been intriguing me. Um, I'll delve into that more later when we start talking about the second trailer. Sure. Mm -hmm. What about yourself, Michaela? Uh, any any experience in any of the lore in any time period? So, very little. Um, I've done my my fair share of Wikipedia article mm -hmm. searching. Just you know, when like something comes up that like somebody says, and I'm like, oh, okay, well, let's go, let's go see where the internet takes us and mm -hmm. the storyline, just to get get a backstory and reference, but. Mm -hmm. Other than that, not a whole lot. Haven't dove too deep into it. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of like on and off over the last few years. After I got back into Magic in 2017, I started reading the, the Amonkhet block story and I kind of got hooked. And uh, before that, I don't know a whole lot. I pick up things here and there. You know, I went back and reread a little bit of Liliana's story. Exactly that about her growing up and her brother and her accidentally turning him into a zombie, as you do. Uh, so I kind of know a little bit here and there as well. Uh, but what about more of uh, of the recent lore, uh, Michaela? Do you kind of know what's going on in the most recent sets? Maybe like the standard sets, I mean, or more recent, that is? Um, well, I know Big Daddy and Nicol Bolas is trying to do things. <laughs> <laughs> um, probably not good things. Mm -hmm. um, I know Tezzeret's just kind of like mulling about doing something. Mm -hmm. <laughs> The Dak Faden tie in the trailer, is that what I heard? I'm not ever familiar enough with people, but some I of the names, that's what I heard. Yeah, some of the names for myself, they I've I've heard Dak Faden, but uh I don't quite know anything about him and he's in the trailer and we'll we'll get to we'll get to that in a moment. But yeah, yes. he's he's in the trailer at least. Yeah. Um and as of today, I 
do know that Niv Mizzet apparently died and then was resurrected. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> so, sorry. He it comes was back revealed. as a mana rock, yes. It's now a preview. It's no longer a spoiler. It's a preview. Yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what about yourself, Luke? Do you, uh, how are you keeping up with some of the more recent lore and story-wise and such? I've been pretty into the, the Ravnica story that they've been telling. I've, I got back into playing uh, Magic proper back in Oath of the Gatewatch time period. So mm -hmm. I've been following the whole Jastis League, if you will, <laughs> um, through their adventures and, you know, completely getting stomped in Amonkhet. And, yeah. um, so I'm I'm pretty vested in where we are right now. Mm -hmm. I think it's a good jumping off point then into, well, this, this, this first trailer that came out, we hadn't had anything revealed just yet, and it was a very somber, atmospheric sort of trailer. It didn't reveal anything. It was perhaps very metaphorical, what with stained glass, uh, windows portraying planeswalkers and candles going out. Uh, what kind of feeling did you get out of that, Luke? The big feeling of that first trailer was definitely, it was geared a lot more towards the, the very enfranchised players. Mm -hmm. I mean, seeing all the stained glass of all those different walkers, and then it kind of created a little bit of a Twitter frenzy as they were bombarding mm -hmm. uh, Wizards employees. It's like, are all of these walkers going to be in this set? And then they drop the bombshell later that there's going to be 36 mm -hmm. plus Tezzeret. So 37 walkers in this set. Mm -hmm. So a lot so, of curiosity about like what's coming up. Definitely. What about yourself, Michaela? Yeah, I think I was like kind of like a little bit like an ominous, ominous like feeling to it. Like definitely with like the candles going out kind of, you know, a little bit of that representation of like, you know, sparks going out is kind of what I took from it. Mm -hmm. Um. You know, so like, how much death are we going to see in this one? I think, you know, I think we, we could see a lot of planeswalkers um, depart is kind of the feeling I got from that. And mm -hmm. honestly, I thought the stained glass planeswalkers were just a really, really cool thing and a really cool idea. And I'm actually hoping we see some product of those in the future. Yeah, like a cool play mat or sleeves or something. Did they do a Nicol Bolas play mat in the stained glass? Yeah, I think I saw something about that. Yeah. Yeah, I think that was Pax East. So, yeah, it'd be really, really cool if they do something else with that. For sure. Well, I definitely want some uh, Tybalt sleeves. So sign me up for those. Um, do you guys all have Tybalt in your um, bracket as the winner? Because I do. <laughs> for the LOLs, sure. Hey, this new Tybalt is pretty playable. <laughs> it just took, I don't know how many, 10 years for that to finally happen? It's only what? a second iteration. <laughs> In all fairness, I think Tipple was around the last time I played Magic, which was less than 10 years ago. Mm. So, My math is off. It happened during the time of um, when I wasn't into Magic. So the, the first introduction that I got to Tybalt was when uh, the professor over at Telerian Community College was uh, mentioning him in one of his skits about um, office hours and such. I'm like, huh, he sounds like a punching bag. And then as I further read about him, I'm like, huh, yeah, I guess he is. The sad part is the Tybalt story is actually very dark and very menacing. And then they put out the card and it's just <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> flavor fail. Hey, I, I know. I know he has a lot of fans, though. You know, I think so. Yeah. Uh, underdog sort of uh, uh, character, I suppose. And now what's his subtitle? Tybalt Rakish something. Uh, Rakish instigator, I think. Um, I have it pulled up. I can look. Let's Scrolling see. down. 
<laughs> Me too. Um, Tybalt, rakish instigator. Oh, okay. He's got some like real panic at the disco like wardrobe going on too. <laughs> I don't know. I can see some like Brendan Urie like outfits of this. <laughs> so. mm-hmm. Well, I thought about this trailer myself as well as as you two are saying. Like, I kind of interested and in, like uh, who's gonna die? What's gonna happen? It was a very metaphorical trailer, uh, which I think I, I saw a little bit. People were saying online, "Well, you know what have been what would have been great than something anything." Because it was like it didn't really seem to reveal much. But I think looking back on it now, I think it was very metaphorical. And there's, we're still dissecting pieces of it. Like, did it really mean anything that the that the glass, that Gideon's glass shattered and that all of the uh, candles burnt out except for one of them? But it wasn't the biggest one. Like, what does it all mean? I mean, I obviously think it means that Tybalt's the only one that lives. <laughs> Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So it might not be that people die, it just lo- they lose their spark. So yeah, uh, all-powerful, hail all-powerful Planeswalker Tybalt. What if that actually just leads to a set that's just like, ext- like you know, maybe only has like one Planeswalker, it's just extremely Planeswalker light, mm-hmm. or has none? That's a possibility. They seem to sort of uh, teeter-totter between various ideas where something's very powerful, something's less powerful. We're suddenly getting so many Planeswalkers, so maybe the next set or two or something will have very, very limited Planeswalkers. And I am super excited that we're going to have uncommon planeswalkers to go along with rares and mythic planeswalkers. That's the uncommon ones. A lot of them really are look like fun builder outs. Yeah, definitely. I like all that. Most of the uncommon ones, I actually, you know, I want to actually draft. Like they're playable in my draft deck. They do the things I want to be doing in draft. Mm-hmm. Um, for the most part, like I think, I think the Wanderer was one that I actually thought was like extremely could be extremely good and limited hmm. what does she do again um that's the prevent all non-combat damage that would be dealt to you and other permanents you control and then her minus two is exile target creature with power four or greater mm-hmm. well that's the perfect example of here's a card type that's been around a while planeswalkers and they've now done a version where they have a static ability. As long as they're hanging around, something's continually happening. And some of them only have the minus ability. Uh, I think only the uncommon ones have minus. And then the rare ones and the mythic rares can have the plus one. So I think that's a very interesting design space, a, a route that they've gone into with these planeswalkers. I think they're always innovating. So props to to wizards. Yeah, they definitely, they kind of have that enchantment feel to them. Mm -hmm. You know, you could easily have like done this mechanic with the, you know, counters on an enchantment, but, you know, they did it with Planeswalkers, which kind of just adds a whole nother like level to the game. You know, your opponents can interact with them. Mm -hmm. You can do things to um, interact with your Planeswalker and possibly make them get more counters, especially with like proliferate being in the set. So Mm -hmm. definitely um, makes gameplay a little bit more interesting than just using the enchantment method. Mm How do we feel that this particular first trailer did it? Did it work? Did it get you back when it first dropped? Did it get you interested in? Uh, here's a new set because I know that you know personally I can get a little bit of fatigue in terms of like sets come out every few months. Uh, but uh, what did you to feel about? Uh, did it uh, get you worked up about it, uh, Luke? That first trailer. I, I was already looking forward to the new set. I, I've been doing a lot more limited on um, MTG Arena than I ever did on MTGO, just be able to grind that gold to get a draft in every mm-hmm, week. Mm-hmm. So I've been looking forward to getting my hands on that new um, limited format. 
And then the 36 Planeswalkers <laughs> bombshell got dropped. And I was like, okay, this could be absolutely amazing or it could be utterly <laughs> eh. So I was like, I, I was really apprehensive about it until they started releasing the uncommon and the rare Planeswalkers. And I really love the design space of every one of them having the static abilities. I think they went a very cool direction with them. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Uh, What about you, Michaela? You know, I love that this trailer like introduced that, you know, hey, we're gonna have tons of Planeswalkers. That's, that's pretty, that's pretty cool. It's pretty unique. And it definitely builds lots of hype for the set. Um, I mean, honestly, I was just ready for the set because I need a new standard format. I've played way too many games of standard <laughs> mm-hmm. in the last three months. So, mm-hmm. new cards, more good. Yeah, we need a we need some better best of one going on, and hopefully that new set brings this mm-hmm. brings it. Mm-hmm. Now, if you if you two could quantify it on a scale of one to ten, what would you say? How did you like that first trailer? I would say probably like a like a seven for me. Um, I think it would take a lot to get a 10 out of me for like any trailer, but mm-hmm. I think, you know, introduced some really, really cool artwork, like just a really, a, a trailer that kind of like left a lot of questions and um, foreshadowing. And I thought that I thought it was really cool. And it, it did its purpose in a short period of time. Oh, very good. For me that I'm probably, I mean, I was already looking forward to the new format, the new trail, that first trailer didn't give me any real, excitement or anything it like maybe a five five and a half mm-hmm. um just i'm already i'm already there i'm already invested and i don't think that trailer really is pulling a lot of new people in or pulling a lot of people back mm-hmm. that makes sense like you said earlier that maybe it's more for the enfranchised players so i think when i first saw it uh, I probably thought about it, yeah, not too highly. I thought it was visually interesting. Uh, story-wise, there wasn't much of a story. So I think the first time that I saw it, it kind of hit me like just maybe as a two. But then as I thought about it and then, okay, the metaphors and I read it, was reading people's commentaries, it, it went up there somewhere like, yeah, maybe a six and a half, seven. So I think uh, it definitely worked a little bit more on rewatch. On the second trailer, though, that's a big difference night and day. That was a two and a half minute epic set to uh, a cover song and uh, reverse motion and then fast forward and emotion and action and just so many things happening. So uh, what sort of feelings did we get on that one, uh, Michaela? So (laughs) I actually did not get to see the trailer right away because I was actually traveling that day. Mm -hmm. Um, I literally drove back from kansas city that morning and then got on a plane to go to washington dc mm-hmm. so kind of a crazy weekend didn't get to see the trailer right away watched it um a day later after i had started to see like all the reactions and obviously there mm-hmm. were huge reactions to it everyone was like oh my gosh i cried this is like this is so like this is the most intense trailer and you know i thought i'm like i'm gonna watch this and i'm gonna just be blown away by it now after seeing all that hype i think it kind of like maybe like mm-hmm. you know like made it like less it. impactful for me and also, I'm, like, not emotional in that type of way. Like, a really, like, emotional, like, trailer like that is not just going to hit me like it's going to hit somebody else. Mm-hmm. So after seeing all the hype for it, I was actually kind of, like, disappointed <laughs> watching it to sure. an extent. But I thought it was actually, like, it was it was, it was was a great trailer. It was, like, nothing like I've ever seen um, Wizards put out before for a trailer. And um, the music was, like, amazing. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> too much hype before I watched it, so... <laughs> 
I know it never really lives up to it, unfortunately. You hear everyone so hyped and then a little disappointment, but I think that just comes with the territory with our constant 24-hour, you know, spoiler-filled social media lives. But what did you think, Luke? My first reaction to the trailer, mind you, I I woke up uh, for the panel and I ended up watching it on my phone. The -hmm. first time they ran through it, there was audio issues on the stream. And... I watched it in silence because mm-hmm. there was absolutely no audio on the whole stream for the first 10 minutes mm-hmm. and it was still good. I mean, I watched the whole, you know, back motion, forward motion. I watched the, you know, the older sister and the younger brother walking out mm-hmm. and going back and then the arm sticking out. And then like later on, once they rebooted the stream and they got the audio fixed and they watched, then then it, they played that music and I was like, oh my God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, just, I was like, uh, it took me from like a seven to a nine. <laughs> and I was like, I was completely blown away by it. The first time I did watch it, it was on my cell phone. So I didn't actually realize the age difference of the people. I thought it was a mother and a small boy Mm -hmm. and then when i watched it again on the big screen i realized it was a older sister taking care of her brother Mm -hmm. and the symbolism that that brought to liliana and her whole backstory with jasu and i i completely lost it Yeah, I think this one was way more effective, a lot more going on when I first saw it. And okay, it's going backwards. And then we're seeing, oh, someone's getting attacked by a bunch of Eternals. Oh, wait a minute, it's Gideon. So I thought like, wow, that's really, really interesting. Is is it? Is this going to be Gideon's death? And then it, as I went backwards a little bit more, and then we saw a hand in the rubble. And I swear that I, then I thought, wait a minute, is that Jace's hand? Because then we saw Liliana and you know how they have their uh, adorable, abusive relationship. So then it was going backwards even more. And oh, no, it was the sister and, and brother and then the metaphor of Liliana and her brother. So I think it worked amazingly. I got a lot of emotions of it. Um, you know, shock. I don't know, shock and emotion. Anyway, I got shock. I got uh, curiosity. I got hyped about it. I think it worked very, very well. I think also you could think about it in terms of visuals. Uh, I think you were saying, Michaela, the wizards hadn't done this before. So like the quality of it, you know, uh, I think wizards has done sort of more like straightforward types of trailers uh and this one is definitely more on par like a real sort of like movie teaser trailer sort of thing what did you think about the quality of it i thought the quality was amazing like you know like clearly they put tons of effort into like writing the storyline and um you know really just you know that i don't know how long it was was it like 30 seconds it couldn't have been that long but just using that time to just pull in as much emotion as possible and like tell a story mm-hmm. um, and just bring in so many characters that was excellent and like I said the music was just absolutely perfect like mm-hmm. I think the song choice it, well to find a cover that fit um, just the whole situation mm-hmm. or like just I felt like just the tone of the cover was like perfect for it yeah. and also I feel like that song you know you think about like you know who's magic's you know who is magic's audience you know when um that song first came out you probably had a lot of people who play magic were probably in that you know like Mm -hmm. 12 to like 20 year old range that would have been like listening to like lincoln park and Mm -hmm. in the end at that time so like to be able to hear that really cool cover like i think just adds all that all that more emotion to it so what did you think about the song luke 
The song was absolutely gorgeous. Granted, the second time I watched it when it was actually there, (laughs) (laughs) it was, it, it just felt like it was coming from Liliana and it was, I, like I said, the power of that second trailer was just impeccable. Mm -hmm. I think uh, Wizards really stepped up their game and yeah, they perfectly chose a song, a plot. I believe it's around two and a half minutes that it was. Uh, so they did encompass a lot of things within that short amount of time, uh, you know, pun intended, because they went backwards and forwards, and they were able to do something really good in that. So they've definitely stepped up their quality. I think I saw someone on YouTube trying to do a comparison or a supercut, actually, of all of the Wizards uh, teaser trailers. And yeah, the first ones were kind of rough and uh, for, a, for a while, and then this one really seems really pro. Oh, I was going to say, I did not realize that trailer was that long like maybe i was actually just so entranced with it it just didn't seem like that long oh really so it did feel like uh suddenly it's 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 on and done yeah i I mean i felt like there was like a lot in it but it didn't feel like it lasted that long either so Mm -hmm. i don't i don't know that was just my take on it time shenanigans to fairies to blame ugin's a time mage as well oh really (laughs) yeah we we're gonna have two time mages in this war i mean Deaths might not be as permanent as trailers make it seem. <laughs> sure. Mm-hmm. We'll see. As a comic book fan, you know, no one's really ever dead, uh, except for Uncle Ben. Are you saying Dak Faden, the greatest thief in the multiverse, may still live? Um, <laughs> he, he could steal and escape. I mean, it's possible. I mean, Teferi can roll back time. Ugin's, you know, he's been around. He's, he's literally... Um, the brother of the main antagonist, so mm-hmm. he's been around a long time as well. <laughs> mm-hmm. there, there have already been a couple of uh, uh, cards that have like some Teferi quotes about time travel, so I think something's being hinted. So are we saying the next um, trailer is going to have to feature some share turn back time? <laughs> <laughs> I would insist upon it. Start finding the covers now. There's got to be plenty of them out there to dig through. Yeah. And really, I just want a heavy metal cover of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they go the opposite way. They did the slow They did the slow roll uh, on this trailer, so then they've got to take a slow song and then make it heavy metal. I'd, uh, I'd watch that a few times. This trailer uh, has gotten, like, is it at 10, 000, 10 million views now, or what? what is it? Because when I first uh, did my first recording uh for the first guest a couple of weeks ago or last week or whatever it was at one million and then suddenly five and i think i checked it at nine million uh recently i mean it's been popping up just as advertisements on youtube videos i watch and i still refuse to skip it so (laughs) (laughs) you're helping the the view count eh I'm probably up to 40 views on that thing. I'm not going to lie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems like it really, really works. I watched it in a in a, uh, in a a restaurant the, again the other day. And I, I've seen it on my laptop, you know, with a nice bigger screen. But even on the, on the small cell phone screen, it still works. Because, like, for example, Liliana's close-ups, I really was impressed with, like, the portrayal of human emotion in those CG characters because it can easily be very stiff especially for like earlier trailers perhaps but i really saw emotion in that character uh did that stand out to either of you too yeah i think there's a lot of emotion in it for sure in the- definitely yeah i think the metaphor of the 
of the sister and the brother. I think that was the most powerful thing. And then Liliana's turning point. Uh, when I first thought that it might have been Jace's hand in the rubble, I thought, okay, that's going to be the inciting incident. That it's going to then cause her to change her mind and such. But no, I thought it was even better, even more powerful, that it was sort of an analog to her. Uh, a sister trying to protect her brother to no avail. And in the end, it doesn't really matter. And then that causes her change. And then a lot of purple magic with the uh, elementals and then turning them on on uh, Nicol Bolas and uh, maybe turning the tide of things. So it seems like it's the final moments of the big War of the Spark. Uh, do, you, uh, do you get a sense of that, uh, perhaps, Michaela, that it's like the final moments of the big battle? Oh, yeah. I mean, it definitely seems like a you know, very climatic, climatic point, at least in the storyline there. Um, and Nicol Bolas definitely seems pissed. <laughs> so. As usual, what's, what's, you know, what's different? <laughs> Nicol Bolas pissed since 1993. Yeah. Well, back in 93, he was happy reading his books. Yeah. Somebody must have messed with his library. He used to be super chill. Yeah. <laughs> what if he's actually always just been a grumpy old man? Mm-hmm. Does it feel to you as well, Luke, that it's sort of like the end of things or like at some sort of uh, middle turning point or beginning? Or what does it feel like? It, it's definitely... A climatic moment in the battle is definitely the turning point of the battle. Um, there's some other cards that have been spoiled today. Was it yesterday? Desperate Lunge, if you haven't seen the artwork on that card. Oh, yeah. Where you got um, Gideon Blackblade um, doing his best to um, recreate a scene from Reign of Fire, if you've seen that movie from the 90s. Hmm. <laughs> Jumping with Blackblade in his hand towards um, Nicol Bolas's mouth. Yeah. That artwork is sick. Mm -hmm. I think the flavor text also works really well. Uh, do you have it up there? What's what's the flavor text? Ravnica held its breath as the hero of the resistance, their last hope, flew through the sky in his, his dark sword ready to strike a god. Mm -hmm. That leads me to that I think Wizards has been doing a pretty cool job of doing these spoilers in a sort of sequential way because didn't they release like the first uh like the the first initial attack into ravnica type of cards and then introducing some characters and then some of the battle and then the planeswalkers uh do do you two feel that the way that they've released these spoilers has been effective luke um it definitely seems like the the release schedule is telling the narrative they got, you know, the tide turns and then the eternal show or the God eternal show up with Kefnet mm. and Ronas. Mm -hmm. This card's getting spoiled in the last couple days. Niv mm. Mizzet reborn spoiled. Mm -hmm. There definitely seems to be a narrative just in the release schedule of the cards, which is actually if this is the way they're going, this is super sweet. Mm -hmm. What do you think, Michaela? Oh, yeah, for sure. I definitely agree. Like, you know, again, the God showing up, you know, that's definitely has to be what we're probably just over midway through spoilers at this point mm -hmm. um so that would make sense in a story this is when nicobolus is bringing bringing his zombie gods in that's what i was told the storyline is by the way mm -hmm. so i hope that's right <laughs> seems like it so far yeah i've seen uh we've we've got two of those amon uh gods returning as lazotep uh lazotep covered eternals uh so it seems to be going that that way yeah definitely mm -hmm. Yeah, and then it looks like we just have planeswalkers just like randomly like showing up every day. So, you know, that mm -hmm. kind of makes sense that not everyone would like all be in like position at the beginning of like a war. Mm -hmm. But 
I think there was a card early on called something like Ignite the Beacon or something like that. And then uh, Johnny is calling everyone. And um, I think they're putting it out as a narrative way very well. Wizards put out a video either uh, yesterday or either today or yesterday. Uh, it was done by um, Graham from R- Loading Ready Run to the um, audio over on it. And um, it it kind of just lays out Bolas's whole plan from beginning to end. It's a pretty sweet watch. It's on their main uh, YouTube page. Yeah, I just, uh, I think, th- I guess it was released yesterday. I was popping on YouTube earlier and I saw it there in my feed and I started to watch it. And then I'm like, this voice sounds very familiar. So I looked in the credits and yeah, Graham Stark from Loading Ready Run. And I'm going to go back and watch it. I put it here also on our Discord in case uh, you need to see that one at some point, Michaela. It looks like it's like 11 minutes or like 17 minutes or something. Like it's a pretty detailed Oops. video. I'm sure that will be going on my big screen tomorrow. So <laughs> nice. Have to check it out. Graham narrates the whole thing. It it definitely lays out the plan. If you're not really vested in the Vorthos, it'll kind of help catch you up. I think they do a good job of that to put out videos here and there, or other content that sort of catch you up because there is uh, years, if not decades, of stories uh, to follow up on, and this particular one. Even at the beginning, uh, Graham notes that, well, this started in uh, in Kaladesh, you know, the the old days of Kaladesh. Just what was that? Only like three, two, two years ago or less? Yeah, it rotated out last rotation. So, yeah, about two years ago. And it's cool that they're kind of putting this big story together in the sort of the long term, isn't it? Especially when they started the Gatewatch, they wanted to, to have that grandiose, bigger storytelling. Well, a little little di- digression on that then. Uh, what do we think about these multi-year, multi-set storylines that tie together? Uh, any thoughts on that, Michaela? I think it's really cool. You know, um, last time I was in Magic, like, I think that was just the beginning of them, like, really being like, let's start revisiting, like, old planes and, you know, starting to tie the storyline together. And, like, Planeswalkers were kind of... They had been around for a few sets of this at that point, but mm-hmm. kind of like really, really like starting to position themselves as like reoccurring characters, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's cool to like have all these sets tie in together and have a strong storyline in like this game that's always had like such, you know, I mean, I know there's always been stories, there's always been the books, there's always been the comics, but mm-hmm. like really trying to bring that to the audience that plays the game rather than the people who like seek out that storyline mm-hmm. specifically. Mm-hmm. And yourself, Luke? I, I like the continual, you know, continuing narrative of the characters. I do think the the Oath of the Gatewatch storyline has probably fatigued a little bit too far, and I'm glad that they're going to be coming to an end with this particular arc mm-hmm. so they can focus on some of the other characters, maybe a better storyline for Tamiyo, mm-hmm. uh, stuff like that, and still have a... a a long narrative over many sets, just maybe not like three, three and a half years in the making. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like a balancing act. Uh, do you want to keep this narrative thread through everything? Do you want to do new things? How do you incorporate some old stuff in the new things? Like uh, when we went to Ixalan, a completely new plane, we still had, okay, Jace, but he had, he had been memory wiped. So he was kind of a new character. We had Raska, which uh, I, I wasn't around for her first like iterations, 
but she felt like a new character to me. And then all the other new characters, Anne Grath and, and so forth. So uh, I think that's an interesting thing that they have to do, balancing some new stuff with some old stuff. And I think what we really need to find out also is like, how did, uh, how did Soren get out of that rock? That is a good question. I think the actual question is, if Soren got out of rock, how did Garrick not return from the dead? <laughs> well, if, if Soren got out of the rock... Did Emmercool get out of the moon? Uh-oh. That's what we're going to see. Return to uh, the Blind Eternities. No, we haven't gone there yet. Um, return That's... to the moon. Actually, I think there was a Twitter post about that. Um, about, like, you know, like, different things that, like, couldn't be done with sets. Mm -hmm. And that, like, the Blind Eternities would not make a good set. Mm -hmm. Because there's a whole... I, was that Mark? It had to be Mark Rosewater that posted it. Maybe it was someone else, but I think. I think that's yeah. who it was. Yeah, I remember seeing that. Um, yes, exactly. He was answering some questions about, can we return to here or there, whatever. And I believe uh, Maria over at Good Luck High Five had asked, can we ever go to the Blind Eternities? And then Mark said, uh, nope, because it's not really a real place. Or it is a place, but the things that you need to make a set don't exist in that place. Yeah. And yeah. And you could kind of look at core sets as being like um, a little bit of a blind eternities because sometimes mm -hmm. like when you go back to Magic Origins, you're we're pulling stories from five different planes and telling the stories of these five planeswalkers and the core sets kind of just pick from wherever. It's a little bit of that. That makes sense. And now that core sets are back, I guess we can kind of have that freedom to explore these like non-specific places. Now, let me ask this. If... These trailers are usually, f they seem to be for enfranched, uh, in, enfranchised players. Uh, what do we think about them, this second one especially, as a way, as an entry point for brand new players? What do you think, Michaela? You know, I think this is probably like one of the best, like, it, at least for like a new player seeing it, like, they see like, like good thematics and um, good storyline developing, and it probably like sparks questions in their head, like... You know, who is this character? Why is this character all of a sudden, like, reacting this way to the situation? You know, it mm -hmm. probably gets some interest in the game and, like, learning more about it. You know, I think it, it presented enough questions that um, someone might want to look into it. Mm -hmm. What do you think, Luke? Some people I've shown this trailer to have said, well, when does the movie come out? <laughs> it doesn't necessarily even look like um, a a trailer for a card game. It doesn't even look like a trailer for Hearthstone. Mm -hmm. um, it looks like it could be a story. It's like, this could be a story. This could be a book. What, what is this? And it, it definitely causes people to ask questions. And I'm hoping they like arena can pull them, pull people in even further. Mm -hmm. And I'm hoping this all works out for wizards and all this effort they put into this trailer. Mm-hmm. I think the interesting thing is that it's reaching more of an audience and they are questioning, who are these characters? What's going on? And maybe they're trying out Arena and such. Now, not to be pessimistic or negative, but I was looking at some of the newest cards, especially, I guess, Niv-Mizzet Reborn. Is that the name of it? The five-color new Niv-Mizzet card. To me, uh, that, sounds, that seems like a really complicated card for beginners because it says, you know, uh, exiled these top cards, 10 cards, and the ones that are the pairs, you can put them in. And like, that seems like a really complicated card. 
And this trailer is obviously trying to reach as many people as possible, especially new players. But do we think perhaps some of these cards in War of the Spark are a little too complicated? What do you think, Luke? Nymphism Reborn definitely is on the side of way overcomplicated for uh, definitely a new player. But it's also a Mythic Rare, so Mm -hmm. it's got that going for it. A lot of new players aren't going to see this card. So that's a good thing. Um, Definitely, I mean, they're even pushing... Uh, more complexity down at the end of the common levels again. And there's been some exciting stuff coming out in this set for popper, mm-hmm. which is my main focus of formats that I like to play. Mm. And there's a lot of complexity. The new, like the main entry sets that they like to use are the core sets. Those are the base ones. Yeah. What do you think, Michaela? This is actually probably one of the more complicated sets that I've seen. You know, like a lot of the cars just like, have so much room just to really just test skill level but i also think we go into a core set next is that correct i think yes. there's a core yeah after this yeah so you know i think it's pretty like this time of year it's pretty like normal to have like that more complicated like skill intensive set that builds onto a lot of mechanics that have been introduced over the um last few sets and then you go into the core set which is very beginner friendly so you know that's that's what the new players have to look forward to if you know starting here mm-hmm. that makes sense uh i'm glad the core sets are back uh back when i first played magic in the 90s uh that was uh those were kind of my favorite sets in terms of a way to introduce people and i was out of magic when when they stopped them after origins but it's cool that they're back because I've actually got sort of like a battle box of the uh, Planeswalker decks from M19, where I took out the Planeswalkers, but I've got each of those monocolored decks, and I break those out at parties with people that are less into magic. Um, I think the core sets are definitely great introductions to to magic. Have either of you introduced people uh, to magic uh, using any specific set, Michaela? Well, first off, I just want to comment on what day and age are we that we're breaking out magic decks at parties? <laughs> we're in the year 2019, the future. <laughs> it's pretty we're awesome. In the, we're in the greatest timeline. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I guess I don't really have like a whole lot of experience introducing new people to magic. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Uh, I can't, I don't have a good answer to that. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, no worries. What you've got to do is look, be on the lookout for my uh, YouTube video coming soon, which is putting together a popper battle box of all of the Guilds of Ravnica and Ravnica Allegiance uh, guild sets, just full of popper cards. And then you've got to break those out at your next party and then report back to me and see how it went. I mean, I do have some pretty nerdy parties, so mm-hmm. might so work. To- totally sounds gas. <laughs> What about yourself, Luke? Is there any sort of a set that you've introduced people with recently or at any time? I keep a couple of like uh, base decks laying around. If somebody's curious about magic or asks me about magic, I'll break those out. Um, I don't like it's not really set specific. There's usually a lot of older cards. Mm-hmm. A lot of my stuff goes back to Conflux mm-hmm. time period, mm-hmm. which when I first started, it's like I started on the set that was legit all gold cards. And then we went to a core set. I'm like, what? what why is this card only green? <laughs> <laughs> That's the funny thing that we start playing the game at a certain way. Like, again, I remember back in the day, 
banding and cumulative upkeep. And then when I got back into it, I'm like, uh, where is banding and where's cumulative upkeep and where is mana burn? How times change. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now, if we can quantify this, how hyped are you for War of the Spark on a scale of 1 to 1,000? Michaela, go. On a scale of 1 to 1,000? Yes. Oh, man. Uh, can we say 1,000? Because I just need a new standard format. Sure. You are like, 1,000 hyped. I, I, I need change. Like, I've played so much Arena that I need change. So they could have never came out with a trailer and I'd still be hyped. <laughs> yeah, we just have to wait. Uh, we're going to get it like a week earlier than, uh, than Tabletop, aren't we? It'll be on MTGO usually at least a week before. Okay, what about yourself, Luke? Uh, on a scale of one to seven thousand, how how hyped are you? Wait, 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 wait! She gets a thousand, and I get seven. They're just I numbers. I had a number all picked out and everything. <laughs> oh, we'll go. Okay, uh, sixty-three fifty-four. I mean, I'm really there. I'm <laughs> super psyched. I really want to dig my teeth into this, but then. I'm also really excited to see what Modern Horizons is going to bring to us. I'm super excited oh, to yeah. see how that London Mulligan is going to affect the um, Mythic Championship. I almost said Pro Tour. <laughs> That's also happening on the same pre-release weekend coming up in a couple weeks. Mm -hmm. There's definitely a lot of hype going around. So I think for myself, uh, on a scale of 1 to 8,000, I'm at over 9,000. I'm ready. I'm ready for the War of the Spark. Team Bullis? <laughs> uh, honestly, no. I don't want the bad guy to win. Uh, you know, anti-heroes and all of that. Okay, you know, like, uh, off topic, I didn't want Walter White to win, even though he was the main star of, like, you know, Breaking Bad. But I understood his story and his struggle and why he did it. But I didn't want him to win. Nickel Bolas, same sort of thing. Um, can we be Team, team Tybalt? Just to bring this back around? <laughs> of course. Oh, hashtag Team Tybalt. So I'll just say I'm Team Mowu, being a good little doggy. This set is like some serious fan service. <laughs> yeah, uh, Fibblethip is a is a is a is a planeswalker. He is he is technically a planeswalker. His first time he's ever had a real card, and I mean, so I, okay, there's actually 38 planeswalkers in this set. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't think he's technically a planeswalker in the set, right? He's just a legendary creature. He is a legendary creature, but he. He doesn't know how he he planeswalks, but he doesn't mm. know or control it at all, which is ah. why he just disappears and comes back and disappears. And, and is totally back. lost. This story reminds me of like the Harry Potter stuff when like they talk about how like they didn't know they like, were they were like wizards when they were like eight or something, and like mm -hmm. but they always had like the random magical stuff happen. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, I'm sure there's plenty of uh, wizards employees that uh, you know take from these various uh, properties. And I'm sure Harry Potter has snuck in there subconsciously here and there. I see tons of reflection of just like other games and other like storylines, like really reflective of the set. Like there's definitely a whole lot of um, different source material, like really tying into this that I can see. Well, it's a 25 year old game now. So there's been new generations of designers uh, and people working on the games and uh, it seeps in there, and it's just a reflection of everything. Uh, 25 years later, who would have thought it would still be around? Very true. Now we got corgis. Severe lack of penguins, though. Hmm. There's polar bears. Actually, they were pale bears, but we've had polar bears. Close enough. Can we go back to Ice Age? That... Ooh, yeah. <laughs> I would I mean, love I some snow-covered basics. 
Yeah. Cold, wasn't Cold Snap like the last like visit to that? And I don't yeah. think that went over very well. I wasn't that around at that time. Uh, were you around for Cold Snap, Luke? Um, I I started in the Alara block. Mm-hmm. So we've uh, well so, after. So our vote is definitely return to return to Ice Age. Yeah, why not? With penguins. instead of goblins, <laughs> penguins and narwhals. Oh, gotta be. I've been watching a lot of Netflix documentaries on like Antarctica and the North Pole. So, (laughs) yeah, let's get that uh, original narwhal out of the reserve list and back onto standard. Wait, there's a narwhal in the reserve list? There is, but it's actually from copies of this. Why do I not own copies of this? (laughs) Oh, it's because it's it's part of the worst set of all time. It's in Homelands, actually. It wasn't even an Ice Age. (laughs) No. Yeah, they. Homelands stole their narwhal because there was Ice Age first, and then there was Homelands, and then Alliances. Um, and yeah, there's a there's a there's a narwhal, and there's also a giant albatross in Homelands for some reason. That's what we need to do. Return to Homelands. I'm also down for any set that like re- features squirrels. So maybe we have to like return to Odyssey <laughs> or return to Unstable. That'll be uh, unbelievable. Well, as we wind down, we've got a lot of great ideas for Wizards, so I hope they're listening to the podcast, taking notes. But as we wind down the podcast, uh, would you like to uh, promote anything again, Luke? I'm Luke from Couch Troll Brewing. You can find me on Twitter and YouTube by searching Couch Troll Brewing. Very nice. And yourself, Michaela? Yeah, I am Michaela, and I'm Mythic Michaela on Twitter, and I am Kyrie MTG on Twitch. We have lots of fun on my stream, so come hang out. Very nice. Uh, I'm VM Campos over on Twitter, VM Campos on SoundCloud, where you can find this podcast. I'm uh, VM Campos on Patreon. And uh, if you head on over to my Patreon, you'll get a lot of great free stuff. But also, if you go up to the $2 tier, you get some vintage magic cards that I will mail you. Uh, Not a narwhal, actually. I'm keeping that one but I will mail you other vintage magic cards from my collection at the $2 range. So uh, thank you so much again for being on the podcast, Luke. Thanks for having me. And thank you again, Michaela. Yes, thank you for having me as well. This has been VM Campos, and I'll see you in the arena.